Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tuesday edition of PFT Live. We got Shereen Williams up way too early this morning it's 6 a.m local time in the dallas area and you have power which is even more surprising than the fact that you're up at 6 a.m i don't want to jinx anything you have power for now the next two hours could be an adventure good morning shereen how are you i'm good it's two degrees minus two wind chill lots of friends without power i think you might have some people Come over today like they did last night and just try to get warm for a while. You know, kind of we go through a whole year, Mike, of of COVID restrictions. And now you kind of throw those out the window because it's so cold and invite people into your house. It just seems like the right thing to do right now. When's the last time it was two degrees in Texas? Uh, We've hit record lows. It's never been as cold as it's been with the wind chills over the past two days. And it's supposed to get colder, I think, tonight into tomorrow with uh, some more snow and ice coming in. So it's reminiscent, you'll remember this, of the Super Bowl when it was here. This is the last time we've had anything close to this, Mike. Well, I was just going to say those records will stand until the next time there's a Super Bowl in Dallas because yes I remember that well it was in the 60s one day the next day there was two inches of ice everywhere and it stayed there all week long well it's good that that uh, you've got power and I feel uh, I've seen like Charles Robinson from Yahoo who lives in the Houston area it was in the 40s in his house uh, because the power's out no no way to heat and uh, hopefully everybody stays safe and this period ends quickly for folks down there And we'll get you through the next two hours wherever you are here on Peacock. And because there is no NBCSN re-air today, that means we'll have fewer commercial breaks, which means we have more time to talk about everything happening in the NFL. And there's still plenty going on. A sad story, though, to get things started. One of those stunners that came out of the blue yesterday afternoon, just before we started PFTPM, 
Vincent Jackson, a great receiver, second-round pick in 2005, spent time with the Chargers, and then the final five seasons of his career with the Buccaneers, found dead at the age of 38 in a hotel in Florida. No signs of trauma, investigation ongoing as to the cause of death. Just an absolute stunner, Shireen. Uh, I, I, uh, I, it, it, I mean, he's 38 years old, and... Miles Simmons and I were talking about this yesterday. I mean, death is all around us with the pandemic and everything else, but you, it's impossible to get used to it. And I think we get to a point where we just brace for whatever's next because it seems like there's always something else that's coming around the corner that, that's just going to smack us in the face. And uh, Vincent Jackson, the latest example of that. Yeah, and I think when you see the 38, Mike, that's what really hits you. This guy was so young and had so much of his life yet left and uh, it, it's unfortunate whatever happened to Vincent Jackson but it is a stunner whenever you see somebody this young uh, die at that age it's just it, it's incredible and uh, you know I think most people uh, even this generation remembers Vincent Jackson and, and what he did with the Chargers and the Bucks, and just an outstanding receiver for a long time took a little bit to get going in his career but boy once he did Mike three-time pro bowler and he was really a good player a really really good player and you just see by the outpouring from everybody in the community how much he meant especially that Tampa Bay community uh, to Mike and how much good he had done in his life which I said I think speaks more to the person uh, than, than what what you do on the football field it's what you do off the football field that you're going to be remembered by and I think it says a lot about Vincent Jackson that that's what people are remembering him by today. Every team has one nominee per year for the NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Vincent Jackson arrived in Tampa Bay in 2012. Each of the four seasons after that that he was with the team, 13, 14, 15, 16, he was the nominee. Think of how quickly you establish your presence from a charitable standpoint. First year there, yeah, it's your first year there. You're not going to you're not going to yeah. do so much your first year there that you're the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year nominee. But each of the next four, that was the individual who received that designation from the Buccaneers organization. And the Buccaneers issued a statement yesterday as well regarding the passing of Vincent Jackson. And there was a flood of tweets from various teammates, executives, et cetera, who had been with Vincent Jackson. It really wasn't all that long ago. He's a member of this Buccaneers team. I remember when Mike Evans was drafted in 2014. Between Evans and Jackson, one of the top receiving duos in the NFL, Shereen, right out of the gates. It was, and you saw you know, Mike Evans tweet, and I honestly for a second forgot that they had played together because it it's, doesn't seem like Mike Evans is that far into his career. And, and then you start going back, you're like, Boy, you know, Evans has played for a while, and it hasn't been that long that Vincent Jackson played. I mean, he didn't officially retire till 2018. It was a couple years before that that he last played. But, you know, this is a guy who you truly remember of, of how good he was on the field. I go back, Mike, to the 2007 playoffs when he was with the Chargers. That was the Chargers' best chance with Phillip Rivers to go to the Super Bowl. And it's unfortunate that LaDainian Tomlinson got hurt in the postseason but Vincent Jackson, in those three playoff games that year, he carried them more than, than the banged-up LT did. 
He had 114 yards and a touchdown in the first playoff game against Tennessee. The next week against Indianapolis, seven catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. Then he came back. He kept him in the game against New England, the, NFC, the AFC Championship game. He had six catches for 93 yards, and, and you have that memory of LT standing over there on the sidelines injured with the parka on and the hoodie over his head, and Vincent Jackson was doing everything he could to try to make up for the loss of LT and just was outstanding in that postseason. And I, I do remember that run. I covered a couple of those games, and Vincent Jackson was incredible that year in that playoff run. And you think back to 2014, what they had at the skill position, specifically receiver and tight end. The Buccaneers had Mike Evans, first round pick, six foot five, Vincent Jackson, six foot five. Tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins, who never really worked out, but there was a ton of promise there, six foot five. And the quarterback, Mike Lennon, was six foot seven. They, they had some very tall guys in that window of time. Now, obviously, Jameis Winston came along in 2015 as the first overall pick in the draft. But I, I, I remember now, and, and, you know, the years go by so quickly with the NFL, and every team seems to have a completely different makeup year in and year out. But it kind of comes back to you as you remember it and think through it that they they had those three really big targets going into 2014 and Vincent Jackson still had plenty of gas in the tank still and and was a great mentor for a guy like a Mike Evans and it just wasn't that long ago that Jackson was yeah. playing and oh. playing at a high level in the NFL and we extend our condolences obviously to the family friends teammates it it just it just is another tragedy in the broader NFL community, and uh, there's tragedies all around us. That it just everywhere you turn, whether it's NFL or beyond the NFL, and we're just trying to get through life one day at a time as we we await the broader cloud of of the pandemic to go away. It just it just has just been a strange time, as strange a time as I can ever remember, and. And situations like this just kind of underscore how strange these times are. And you think about, Mike, all the people we've lost over the last couple of weeks with Marty Schottenheimer. And you go back to Therese uh, Paler, who worked for the Kansas City Star and most recently with Yahoo Sports. And he was in his 30s, went to sleep and didn't wake up. And, and now we have another guy in his 30s that was significant to the NFL now <clears throat> who's also gone. And it's just been a sad a uh, couple weeks since the Super Bowl ended that, that we've had some of these deaths, Mike. And and hopefully this is the last one. Let's not have any more of these. I, I hate starting a show like this because it's such a downer. Um, but, but it's nice to remember Vincent Jackson and all the great things he did on and off the field. Yeah, look, the, 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 and, and, and uh, well said. Uh, and now comes the part where we try our best to pivot to other things and it's not going to be easy to do. So the only way to do it is acknowledge it's not going to be easy to pivot to other things, and now we pivot to other things. And let's talk some more about Matthew Stafford. I swear, I've heard more and seen more quotes from Matthew Stafford in the last week and a half than I had his entire career combined before then. But on his way out of Detroit, this slow walk to March 17 when he officially will be a member of the LA Rams. He had given an interview to Mitch Album that was written up in the Detroit Free Press. Here is Stafford from the Mitch Album show on the guy he's flip-flopping spots with, Jared Goff. Here's Stafford. 
Has Jared Goff called you yet? Have you talked to him? Maybe he want to know where to go get conies or whatever when you get there. Has he asked you anything? <laughs> or what a cony is. <laughs> yeah, what a cony is. Yeah. yeah, I shot him a text. We texted a little bit. Just, uh, you know, just told him that I know going out there I got big shoes to fill. You know, it's not – not lost on me that he was in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. So he's a he's a really good player in his own right. And just wanted to let him know that uh, you know I uh, I appreciate him as a player and and obviously to reach out to me if if there was anything he needed when it comes to Detroit. Um, you know just as far as advice and or uh, you know places to stay anything. Uh, you know I know that uh, he feels that he can reach out to me and I know I can reach out to him with anything in LA too. So it's it's been good. It definitely wasn't Mitch Albom's voice asking the question. I don't know who else is on that show. I hadn't heard Mitch Albom speak in a long time, but I went through that three seconds of, wait a minute, I, that's not Mitch Albom. But regardless, it was the Mitch Albom show, but that was not Mitch Albom asking the question. Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford. And uh, Stafford's always been a humble guy, a quiet guy. He's not going to be boisterous. He's not going to acknowledge the obvious. And the obvious is he's a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Jared Goff is more accomplished because he's had a better team around him. He's had a better coaching staff around him, at least over the past few years. That's why Jared Goff was in the Super Bowl. There wasn't some big-time throw that Jared Goff made to get the Rams to the Super Bowl, and there were two big-time throws that he missed that could have helped the Rams win the Super Bowl. His signature games, in my view, were the Thursday nighter from September of 2018 against the Vikings, and then that Monday night classic against the Chiefs where he outdueled Patrick Mahomes in Mahomes' first year as a starter. But but there isn't, in my mind, this, this sizzle reel that, that immediately is conjured of all these great Jared Goff throws and great Jared Goff moments. He, he, he just was a guy who, who held it all together and made the throws he had to make, and it wasn't always pretty and it was effective more often than not. So it, it really is fascinating to think of what Stafford could be in that offense. Not the same talent around him that there was for Goff in 2018, but enough, and I think enough of a kick in the butt for Sean McVay that the offense could be interesting, to say the least, with Stafford there. Yeah, if you go back to that NFC Championship game that year, Mike, you talked about no big-time throws you make. If the officials make the pass interference call against Nickel Roby Coleman, Rams, frankly, probably don't even get to the Super Bowl that year. So it wasn't a lot of Jared Goff. But I tell you what, I'll say this. I don't know that there is a player in the NFL who has more pressure on him going into 2021 than Matthew Stafford because – we are all sitting here saying, well, he's only been to one Pro Bowl. He's never won a postseason game, went 0-3 in the playoffs, but it was all because of the talent in Detroit. It was all because of the coaching in Detroit. You know, he's now going to get coaching. He's now going to have better teammates. He's now going to have a better defense. Okay, but now you got to go out and prove it, Mike. It all sounds good on paper, and it looks good, and we think the Rams have upgraded here. But it's all on Matthew Stafford to go out and prove the Rams right, that he is better than Jared Goff, that he can get him over the hump. And frankly, the only way you get him over the hump is to go win a Super Bowl. They've been to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. They have to go win the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford for it to be an upgrade. The stat about one Pro Bowl, and look, I hate the Pro Bowl. I was so happy they didn't play it this year, not happy about the reasons why they didn't play it. But I... I 
I don't watch it. It's it, it makes no sense anymore. It's unnecessary risk for the players. So I'm not going to wag the finger at the fact that it's two hand touch in full pads. That's what it should be. They shouldn't play it. But but they're going to announce a team, an all star team, a Pro Bowl team, no matter what, even if they don't play the game. The idea that Matthew Stafford only made it to one in 12 years in Detroit, when there are three guys every year from the conference who make it. And in the years where they actually play the game, yeah, it's it's more than three because usually one of those three guys is going to the Super Bowl, so that's four. And usually one of those guys easily weasels out of the assignment with an injury that had never been disclosed on the injury report or one that has been, which makes it even easier to weasel out of the assignment. So that's five. I mean, they start going down the list. And for it to have only landed on Stafford one time in his career, and you know, it's because you got Aaron Rodgers around, you got Russell Wilson around, you got other great quarterbacks around. But I, I know one of the one of the various loose tests for Hall of Fame worthiness is was the quarterback ever the best in the league in his career? The idea that Matthew Stafford was deemed a Pro Bowler only one out of twelve seasons is a pretty damning indictment of his body of work. And I just think he's a guy who was just kind of there. He had a 5,000-yard season in 2011, and he was close to it again, I think, 2012, the year that Calvin Johnson had 1,964 receiving yards. And, oh, Johnson was dominant that year, an incredible performance. They were 4-12. and One of the strangest disconnects of individual performance and team performance I've ever seen, and Matthew Stafford's career was a disconnect of individual performance and team performance, and I think the team performance caused not nearly enough people to notice the individual performance, and the question is, you put him in a different spot. I mean, this is kind of a fun trade. You put this guy in a different spot, and we find out, was it the Lions or was it him? Yeah, and you talk about the Pro Bowls, Mike. Like you said, everybody makes it. It's normally over 100 Pro Bowlers. Of course, we didn't have all that this year because they didn't actually play the game. Jerry Goff's actually made two Pro Bowls. He's played, made one more Pro Bowl than Matthew Stafford has. And I was amazed when this trade went down because I thought Matthew Stafford was older than what he is. He's 33. I mean, he's still got a ton of his career left in front of him. And a chance to do really great things that he wasn't able to do in Detroit. Of course, early in his career, he had all those injuries and he couldn't stay on the field. And then he had a stretch when he was on the field all the time. And then now, most recently, he's had some more injuries over the last few years. So the injury history has not been good with him. He needs to stay healthy for sure. But he needs to do all he can to win, too, Mike, to, to kind of seal his legacy here. You know, number one overall pick, and he's kind of done what most number one overall picks have done, which is not a ton, just kind of been okay. He's kind of had an okay career. If he retired today, I think we'd go, okay, it was it was okay. It, it wasn't great. It wasn't good. He never won a postseason game. We're certainly not talking about him for the Hall of Fame. But he's so young, he still has a chance to do all those things. That's the weird thing about his career. He's played for 12 years and has a chance to still do even more and make something of this career that he wasn't able to do in Detroit. So it's probably good for him that he got out of Detroit, now has a chance to go to a team with Sean McVay, who's excited about this, and will build an offense around him. We've seen it. He knows how to do that. Needs probably a 
A few more pieces around him. Josh Reynolds is among the guys that's a free agent, so he's going to have to bring in some more pieces. Uh, maybe Cam Akers is the Todd Gurley that, that Jared Goff had. They certainly need that part of it, too. It, it, a, a couple of things. I had a moment there when you pointed out that this year we didn't have that constant flood of this guy's going to the Pro Bowl, this guy's going to the Pro Bowl, this guy's going to the Pro Bowl. And we don't turn up our noses at the opportunities to have content at profootballtalk.com, but I can tell you, I don't miss <laughs> the, yeah, this guy's not going to the Pro Bowl because his team's in the Super Bowl, so here's the guy who's taking his place stories. I do not miss that, and I have a feeling the audience didn't miss it at all. Speaking of Pro Bowls, though, and to put this in context, Pete Demolitis has loaded in some of these. Derek Carr, three. Pro Bowls in his career. Kirk Cousins. This is an I love him day with his two Pro Bowls. And others who have won, just like Matthew Stafford, include Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston. Oh, and by the way, Andy Dalton has three. And, you know, the, 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 right now, if Matthew Stafford retires, he's not getting to the Hall of Fame without paying the price of admission. But, in this second act <laughs> with seven years left, you win yeah. a Super Bowl or two. And consider this, Shireen, I, I, I pulled these numbers up, and, and this is amazing to me. Matthew Stafford has more career passing yards 12 years in. And I know oh, it's the age of passing. Look, it's been the age of passing since the late 70s. It was the age of passing when Dan Fouts and Air Coriel started lighting it up. Well, you know what? Matthew Stafford's got more passing yards in his career than Dan Fouts. I, 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 I'm wondering whether or not the folks at Pro Football Reference have this wrong. It doesn't seem right to me to look at this and see Matthew Stafford at number 16 on the all-time passing yardage list. At age 32, turned 33 recently, plenty of football left in the tank, 45-109, more than Drew Bledsoe, more than Dan Fouts, more than Joe Flacco, more than Joe Montana, more than Johnny Unitas. It's unbelievable to me. And he's not all that far behind Vinny Testaverde. He'll catch Carson Palmer this year. He'll catch Fran Tarkenden. I remember Tarkenden retired with all the records. Yeah. Warren Moon's a season away. He, he is two years from getting into the top 10, for crying out loud. The only active guys ahead of him, and there are several, well, three. There were four. Phillip Rivers retired. Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers. Oh, wait, and Tom Brady. Forgot about him. He's gonna take he's gonna take over the all-time <laughs> yeah. record and never look back from Drew Brees next year. But Stafford's gonna finish in the top ten. He's got a chance to finish in the top five. And and that's when it gets interesting because you've got Eli Manning at eight with fifty seven thousand yards. Two Super Bowl wins. He'll get in because he's Eli Manning and Peyton, I'm sure, has already started the lobbying to get Eli in, but Stafford could end up top seven, top five, and maybe not be a Hall of Famer. Maybe not. Maybe never win a playoff game. Who knows? And still finish in the top five all-time in passing yardage. It's unbelievable if that happens. It, absolutely unbelievable. And 282 touchdown passes, Mike. So he's got a lot of numbers. And like you talked about the 5,000-yard season, he, he's had some big seasons. And, you know, I – we just expected more from him. I know Lions fans expected more from him when they drafted him. They were excited, and he came in there and obviously got hurt right away. And and so he just hasn't lived up to those expectations. And 
you know, it's a new start for Jared Goff, too, frankly, and maybe the, the Lions can make something of him. I think Brad Holmes really likes Jared Goff, and he thinks he can make something out of Jared Goff. Now, the Lions have a lot of free agents, especially at the receiver position, that they're going to have to figure that out, who are they going to put with him as far as weapons goes. But we'll see what this guy can do, too, Mike, because he's got a new lease on life. Uh, in Detroit and sometimes these things are good for quarterbacks they go and they get a new start they're fresh they have the chip on the shoulder whatever the case may be and uh and, and they're and they're better and I certainly think that could be the case with Matthew Stafford it better be the case or the Rams are in trouble and but it could be also for Jared Goff not as much sold on that simply because of what they have talent wise but it could be whoever the Lions receivers are though I'm confident they're going to get open I'm confident they'll be open you know why? Why? If you bite the cor- if you bite the corner's kneecaps, he he can't run with you. <laughs> I, I mean, true. Yes. It, yeah. Eventually, he's going to wear down if you keep biting his kneecaps. He's not going to be able to jam you off the line of scrimmage. He's not going to be able yeah, to run with you. Inside leverage, that? outside leverage. He's not going to be. He's not going to be able to keep up with you after you've bitten his kneecap several times throughout the game. How about this? Another stat: Pete Demolitis on fire today. Most passing yards through the age of 32 in league history. Peyton Manning, 45-628. Matthew Stafford, 45-109. I pre-did the math. 500, I had to look though. 519 yards. 519 (laughs) yards is the difference. Or Matthew Stafford would be the all-time leader. Here's the other thing that, that we can't forget as we progress toward a 17-game season. The the records are going to be undermined to a certain extent. And for the career records, that's one extra game every single year. For a quarterback who plays 17 seasons, that ends up being an extra season of football, right? So uh, Matthew Stafford, wherever you finish, you're probably not going to hold it for long because there's this this flood of young quarterbacks who are going to have 17 opportunities every year instead of 16 and maybe eventually 18 opportunities to, to catch you. But Stafford's got a good chance to retire in the top five. It's stunning to me. And, and I, I hope he does well. And I hope it works for the Rams. And I hope it works well for Jared Goff. It's possible both teams are going to win this trade, but it's clear that the Lions got two ones and a three, both for giving up Matthew Stafford and for taking on that awful Jared Goff contract and speaking of awful contracts we're still waiting for the possibility of the Colts and the Eagles to do a deal for the awful given his performance in 2020 Carson Wentz contract Darius Leonard all pro linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts spoke about Philip Rivers and the team's next quarterback whoever it may be here's some of what Leonard had to say it was definitely a complete shock um, you know, just talking to him, you know, uh, a couple of days before he announced it. I mean, he still didn't know what he was going to do. Um, I, I, me personally, you know, I, I do think that, well, I do believe that he has some left in the tank. Um, he played very well this year for us. And, you know, I thought he was going to come back next year and do the same exact thing and play even better. I, I honestly don't care who's the quarterback. As long as the quarterback comes in with the right mentality and going to help us win ball games. I don't care if he's young. I don't care if he's old. I don't care if he's He's well-known or not. If you're going to come in and put the team first and help us win ball games, well, come on now to the Indianapolis Colts. But, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just my mindset. But you can't get emotionally invested in it because then you're going to be like, ah, oh, man, we should have did this, we should have did that. So I'm going to just trust the guys up front 
in the front office and then let the chips fall where they fall and control what I can control on defense. And that is, you know, just playing hard and just doing, that well, doing what we can do. That's from Sirius XM NFL Radio. Darius Leonard, spoken like a guy who has seen the revolving door spin in recent years from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers. I just want anybody who's willing to come in and help us win. Old, young, tall, short, fat, skinny, I don't care. I just want somebody, hopefully somebody who's the quarterback for more than a year. Uh, I, you know, what he said about Phillip Rivers, and I I don't think Phillip Rivers would come back, but I remember when Brett Favre was doing his retirement stuff, thinking that at some point he would do the Roger Clemens come back for the second half of the season. Just wait for the right opportunity if the right opportunity would arise. And maybe it just never did for Favre, but maybe it will for Rivers. Quarterback injury, mid-October, late October, early November. Rivers stay in shape. I mean, kind of isn't in shape. It's like, I don't know what he's got to do to get in shape. It's not like it's, you know, the chiseled physique. Like, hey, Phillip, time to go play football. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, how can you rule that out? The competitive fire that he has, if there would be a Super Bowl contender that loses its quarterback on or before Halloween, how could you rule out, number one, the phone call being made, and number two, Rivers saying, no, I, I think he'd be intrigued by that if he could go into a team that has a stacked deck going into November and December, Shireen. I think he's just got to chase those kids around, Mike, to stay in shape. That's That's enough with all the kids he has. He'll he'll be in shape, right? Now, we know he needs all-season surgery, so have the surgery and get back and stay ready. And, you know, we talked about it a lot when Romo retired that we thought he had a chance to come back, and I'm sure he got some phone calls and had a chance to come back and decided ultimately not to do that. But I I think there's a better chance that Phillip Rivers comes back than Andrew Luck comes back, and which is why the the Colts are where they are, because it was Andrew Luck's retirement, unexpected. Jacoby Brissett started a one-year starter, and then Phillip Rivers a one-year starter, and it didn't cost the Colts anything to get Phillip Rivers. And you look at this team. This team is ready to win now. I love the Colts. I like that defense. They got some playmakers on the defense. You look at that offensive line. They built it. It's fantastic. You got some parts on offense. Jonathan Taylor showed a lot at running back this year. T.Y. Hilton's a free agent, but you can upgrade at the receiver position. This, to me, just looks like a team that's ready to win. If I'm a quarterback, that's where I want to go. I feel like I have a chance to win there with this team behind me. So they need to find a quarterback. It'll be the fifth opening day starter in five years for the Colts. They need to find somebody, but Mike, They need to find somebody that's going to start for more than a year. And I know they've said it's not about drafting a quarterback. It's about drafting the right quarterback. Chris Ballard said that. And I get that. But you do need a quarterback for more than a year. You can't keep having these one-year starters. And they were very fortunate when they they got Peyton Manning. And then they got Andrew Luck right behind him. They had the one bad year in between. But counting the one year that each of those quarterbacks missed, they had 19 years of quarterback stability between those two guys. And now it's just been unstable with one quarterback after another. And they're still looking now for that next guy after Andrew Luck. And poor Jim Ursay, owner of the team, not poor literally, obviously, but he, he had called his shot over and over again about all the championships they were going to win between Peyton and Andrew Luck. Yeah. 
and they got one. It's like the Packers. Packers at least have two to show for it between the Favre and Rodgers handoff, but the Colts have one all those years of falling into great quarterbacks, and, well, they'd still be working on the first Andrew Luck championship if he hadn't chosen to retire, but that's where they are. And Matthew Stafford, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, how differently would I feel about Stafford's prospects in Indianapolis versus with the Rams? I'd feel better about his chances with Indianapolis because the Colts are in a lesser division. The Colts, I think, relative to the Rams, have a better team. They have a better nucleus. They have, and I don't want to take away anything from the Aaron Donalds and the Jalen Ramseys of the world, but I would just feel better about Stafford with the Colts than I feel about Stafford with the Rams. And I still think that the Colts' best play, and this is why the Colts and the Eagles are staring at each other like the boys and the girls lined up on opposite sides of the room at the middle school dance. The Colts know that Wentz is their best answer at this point, and the Eagles know that they only have the Colts at the table for Wentz, and they're just going to stare at each other probably until March 17. That's probably when, you know, the Eagles, why not sit back and wait for someone else to swoop in? But it feels like that's the one destination for Wentz. That's the one place that would want him. That's the place where he presumably wants to go to reunite with Frank Reich. And I'd feel pretty good about the Colts' chances if they can get Carson Wentz, when they get Carson Wentz, if they can work out a deal with the Eagles. But that, that to me, if I had to throw the dart right now, that's where I would throw it at Carson Wentz. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, you know, I, I if I'm Carson Wentz, I would much rather go to Indianapolis than Chicago just because I think they're ready to win. Like you said, they're ready to – he could step in there, and if he can revive his career, if he can go back to that 2017 season – when he was having an MVP-like career, if he can rekindle that. And he did that under Frank Reich. So he knows it can be done, but Reich's got to find that out of him, rebuild his confidence. I think that's the big thing with Carson Wentz and just start over with him. And they could have a really good situation if if they can do that with Carson Wentz. Of course, we all know he hasn't won a playoff game yet. We know how the playoffs have gone for him. They haven't gone well. But – he has a chance if he goes there to win right away uh, with the Colts. And I think Frank Reich has a chance to have a good quarterback that he believes in. I still don't get this talk of Wentz to the Bears, and there's no reason for Wentz to want to step into Chicago and be the pin cushion that he was in Philadelphia if things don't work out. And also to have that pressure, that reality of everyone's job riding on your ability to immediately get back to the guy that you were pre-2020. And it's too much pressure. It's too much stress. You have a much better spot in Indianapolis ready to go. And Peter King and I were talking about this yesterday. If they trade him to Chicago, he's got no real say in it. But do you re- if you're the Bears, do you really want a guy who doesn't want to be there at the quarterback position? Is that any way to start the relationship if the guy does not want to be there? And how hard is it? for Carson Wentz's agents to get in touch with Ryan Pace and say, you need to know what you're getting into here. My, my guy doesn't want to play for you. So go ahead and trade for him if you want, but just know going in, he doesn't want to play for you. I, I think that's enough to scare the Bears off. Well, you would think it would, Mike, especially where he, where he ended up among quarterbacks with most turnovers at the bottom, near the bottom with, with Sam Darnold and passer rating. I mean, he was not good this year it was really bad and then it on top of that if you get a guy saying he doesn't want to play for you 
yeah, I, I don't want him. I don't want to think that I can bring this guy here and make him happy. It's just, it, you know, it's sort of like the Deshaun Watson situation. You're not going to talk him into being happy. If he doesn't want to play there, he doesn't want to play there. So I'd move on if I'm Chicago and find me a better option. And you got one year in Chicago to get it right or they're all going to be gone. Yeah, that's it. Ryan Pace is going to be gone. Matt Nagy is going to be gone. Ted Phillips, the CEO, may be gone. They got one year. They got one shot. And the reason they're in this predicament is because their one shot from four years ago was Mitch Trubisky instead of Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. You can't get this one wrong. Whoever the quarterback is, they got to nail it. And I don't think Carson Wentz is the way to nail it, especially if Carson Wentz wants to go play for someone else. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to play buy or sell with some 2021 defenses. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, my charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. I'm not a big car guy, right? So I, uh, my analogies may not be great, but this is like a tuna. You know, we're, we're going to refine some things and, and we're going to uh, uh, make sure our players are playing to their strengths uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, and they're going to buy into the system and the whys and the hows of why we're doing certain things. Uh, but we've got a good defense. You know, we've got really good players here and we've got a really good defense. And, and I'm with you all in terms of the stats. Somebody asked earlier, there was some regression. And... Uh, we're going to overcome that, but, but we're going to do it in a positive way, and we're going to do it where the players uh, are going to be able to shine through that defense. So, uh, you know, I think I think we'll build some depth, and we'll we'll continue with our tough physical mindset of play, and do that over a 16 to 20 week season. I'm not a big car guy either, but I know what a tune up is. I think. I did they even still do the tune up. The tune up was. I don't know what the tune-up is. You know what the tune-up is? The tune-up is a way for the mechanic to charge you a lot of money to just open yeah. the hood and make sure everything's okay. I think that's what a tune-up is, Shireen. Replace the spark plug, maybe? Yeah. 
Uh, something about belts and filters and yeah. Johnson rods and I don't know. I, I don't know. I just all I know is how to drive it. I really don't care what goes on under the hood as long as it goes on. Then I'm fine with it. All right. Will it go on under the hood for the Bears defense? We're going to do a little buy and sell of various defenses that may be in a state of flux on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. And let's start with the Bears. Sean Desai, you saw him there, the new defensive coordinator, a Vic Fangio disciple. Mike Pettin, released by the Packers, landing in the division with the Chicago Bears as a senior defensive assistant. Intriguing times for the Bears defense. And, you know, Miles Simmons and I were talking about this last night. The Bears offense is going to be the biggest impact on whether or not the Bears defense is any yeah. good because the better the offense, the better the defense. Are you buying or selling the 2021 Bears defense? I'm going to buy it, Mike, because when I look at defenses, I start, and this is the Bill Parcells philosophy, with what they have as pass rushers. And they've got one of the best in Khalil Mack. Look, he's got to play better than than what he has. Um, you know, 2018 was really his last great season when he had 12 and a half sacks and, and 18 quarterback hits. And he hadn't done that over the last two years. But they have him and they have Robert Quinn. To me, a problem has been coaching for them. They haven't been the same since Vic Fangio left. Over the last two seasons, they have 67 sacks, which is 22nd in the NFL. They have 20 interceptions, which is 25th in the NFL. They have fewer fumble recoveries. They just haven't been good at forcing turnovers and making sacks. And they have the players, I think, to do that. They have to put them in position to do that. And Sean Desai has been there and seen it and knows how Vic Fangio did it. And I think with some tweaks, he can make this a really good defense again. The Bears are built on their defense. We remember all those great defenses that they had. I mean, this is a defense just a few years ago that's one of the best in the NFL. And they haven't been that over the last two years. So I'm buying this defense. I think they can be better with some good coaching. Eddie Goldman, defensive lineman, expected back after opting out in 2019. Just occurred to me. Will they be giving guys an opportunity to opt out again in 2020? I can imagine that some guys may Good just point. want to wait until this pandemic's completely over. We just assume they're all going to flock back, and we also assume the teams are going to welcome them back. We've already seen Chance Warmack cut by the Seahawks right after the Super Bowl. He opted out for all of the 2020 season. And there should not be any resentment, any retaliation, any you weren't with us last year, so we're not with you this year. But – some of these old school football coaches, you can't rule out a little bit of that. Hey, we could have used you last year, and I'm not happy with the fact that you chose not to play because you were wrong. We were right. It worked out. That's a dumb way to look at it if that's the way anyone looks at it. Akeem Hicks needs to be healthy for that Bears defense and the pass rush to be all it can be and for the Bears to be able to stop the run. But, you know, I'm going to say it's too early to tell on buying or selling the Bears defense because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't know what the offense is going to be. Right. If the offense is crap, the defense will follow. And if the offense is good, the defense is going to be much better. So the sooner we know, and I don't know. Look, there's plenty of names out there, plenty of guys available. But is there really someone that you look at that you say, the Bears go get that guy and I'm going to feel entirely different about the offense? Someone who's actually available. There's plenty of guys that they could get that you would say, wow. I mean, I, I, they're not going to trade for Deshaun Watson, are they? I think it makes it even harder to trade for Deshaun Watson when you could have had him four years ago. I think it makes it harder to give stuff up to go get him now. I don't see them trading for Russell Wilson either. I don't think they're going to get somebody that's going to make us perk up and say the Bears are a force this year. Do you? 
No, well, Mike, I started doing our free agent list last night and or yesterday. And, you know, you have Dak Prescott, number one, but we obviously all think that the Cowboys are going to franchise Dak Prescott. And then you, if there's a fall off, like last year we were talking about all these free agent. You had Tom Brady, you had Philip Rivers, you had all these guys who are free agent quarterbacks. You go down, my next quarterback was Jameis Winston, and he was way down the list. And you may say he was way too far down the list because quarterbacks always go higher than we think they do. It works the same way in the draft because they don't have them. And you look at Jacoby Brissett, he's on the list. I mean, the Colts don't even want him back. To me, there's just not a great list of free agent quarterbacks. It would have to come in a trade. Do you? I mean, Andy Dalton, does that do anything for you? I just don't see a guy that the Bears, I'm with you, that they can go get that I say that this offense is significantly better. And I hate to say this, but Mitchell Trubisky might be their best option just because he knows the offense, he's been in it. And if that's the case, Bears fans are going to hate that and the media is going to hate that and everybody's going to hate that. But I just don't see a good option out there unless they can get Deshaun Watson to, to come there. That's, to me, the only upgrade they have. I, Jameis Winston, yeah. is he an upgrade for them? Possibly, possibly, depending upon what they can do with him. If that stuff in Tampa Bay, especially the last year, was a product of no risk it, no biscuit, and Jameis Winston yeah. throwing the ball up for grabs and having 30 interceptions, he still had more than 30 touchdown passes. Yeah. So it's it's going to be hard to sell any of the guys who are available to the Bears fan base. And maybe that's why they're interested if they are in Carson Wentz, because compared to your other options – Maybe maybe he's not that bad if he turns it around, if he proves that last year was an aberration. All right, the Detroit Lions, NFL worst points allowed per game last year, 32.4, worst in yards allowed with 420. Aaron Glenn is their defensive coordinator. They're going to bite some kneecaps, as previously discussed. Are you buying or are you selling the kneecap-biting Honolulu blue and silver Detroit Lions defense? Well, you know, that's my guy, Aaron Glenn, so how can I not buy a mic? But are they going to be great? No, absolutely not. But I do think they'll be better than what they were last year simply because they can't be any worse, right? I mean, they were awful last year. <laughs> and, you know, they they look confused is what Aaron Glenn said, which is an indictment to me on Matt Patricia and what they did with that defense. So maybe he can put them in some positions to, to make some plays. I mean, you have Jeff Okuda who they passed on quarterbacks there to take him with the number three overall pick. He didn't live up to that number three overall pick last year, but they, Aaron Glenn loves what he has with him at corner. That's a starting point, but they need to add something to that. They, they've got a lot of free agents. Uh, their top sack leader, uh, Romeo Aquara, was is a free agent. He had 10 sacks and, and 11 tackles for loss last season. They do have Trey Flowers. They have some parts to build around. But, you know, there's not a ton of talent over there. They've traded all that away. We saw the two safeties they had that were fantastic. They've traded them away. And just this is a team that's rebuilding, Mike, and it's going to take some time, which is, of course, why we've talked about Dane Campbell getting the long contract. Well, and I'm selling because we had multiple years of Patriot Way mentality as they tried to compile players who would do things the way that Matt Patricia wanted them to be done now they're they're looking for a different type of player, and there's only so much you can do in one offseason to fix a team. And if the salary cap goes down, there will be some guys out there that maybe they could try to 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 snatch up, but it may take more money to get them to come to Detroit 
than it would be for them to go to a place where they think they've got a chance to win right away. I think everyone is taking a wait-and-see approach with the Lions. I'm definitely taking a sell position for now. Next year, I may feel differently. For now, definitely not. New York Jets, Robert Sala, the successful defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, in as the head coach. Last year, the Jets were 24th in yards allowed by their defense and 26th in points scored against their defense. Are we buying? Are we selling the New York Jets? Well, Mike, I feel the same way about the Jets as you feel about the Lions. Is I, I Robert Sala is one of the best defensive coordinators in football. I think he's going to do a great job eventually. I just don't know that he has the parts there. Quinn and Williams came on and played really well uh, late in the season. But, you know, what other playmakers do you see on that defense? They're, to me, they're just missing a lot of parts that he needs to get that defense where he needs it to be and there's not a lot of 49ers free agents he can go snatch up there's a few he could go get that he could bring in that already know his defense but to me this just seems like a building process that's going to take a while especially for that offense and where they finished up last season the the ultimate referendum on Richard Sherman at this point in his career is whether or not Robert Sala tries to sign him somebody was telling me last night yeah Richard Richard Sherman says he wants to play two more years That's easy to say. I mean, Adrian Peterson wants to play five more years, okay? You got to find somebody who's willing to employ you at the pay that you want for the next two years. And if the Jets aren't at the front of the line to get Richard Sherman, that that, uh, when they clearly have the need, that that may be a warning to John Gruden, who, when last we mentioned him, was in full tampering mode with Richard Sherman. Uh, We'll see how that one goes out. I'm I'm going to do a soft buy. Just because I believe that Sala can come in and and take whatever they have and give it the right kick in the butt and make it better than it otherwise is, so it's going to seem better. But I think it's a couple of years away from being what it needs to be. L.A. Chargers hiring Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator of the Rams, staying in the same stadium to take over the Chargers. 10th in yards allowed, 23rd in points allowed. Derwin James didn't play at all last year. Joey Bosa still has periodic injury issues, but he's clearly one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. They've got some great interior defensive linemen. Linval Joseph was excellent in his first year with the team. They have the guy from Notre Dame who was a first-round pick, Jerry Tillery, from a couple of years ago who's played well. Are you buying or selling that defense? I'm buying a mic. And again, I think it starts at the pass rusher and Joey Bosa, and they have that in him. But this was a, a decent defense, a top-10 defense last year. Uh, you know, I think this is a team we've talked about a lot that was better than what its record indicated. There aren't many teams you say that about. I definitely say that about this team. I think with coaching, they're even better. With the return of Derwin James, assuming he can return back to his uh, all-pro level, we haven't seen that in a couple years. If he can do that, I'm buying this. I think this is going to be a good Chargers team. I think they're going to contend in the division. I don't know that they're as good as the Chiefs right now, but I certainly think they have a chance to get into the playoffs this year with just a little coaching because they got some things to build around on both sides of the ball. So I'm buying this team and I'm buying this defense. Yeah, I agree with you. Buy the team, buy the defense. And look, I think one of the reasons why the Rams did what they did in the flip-flop of quarterbacks for Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, they know what the Chargers are putting together. And I don't think they thought they were going to lose Brandon Staley after one year. And my guess is Sean McVay didn't want to have to go out and hire a new defensive coordinator. He liked what they had going on defensively. 
The Rams worried about the Chargers. I know people say, oh, they're, they, they only play each other once every four years in the regular season. They're not in the same division. They're not even in the same conference yet, but they're in the same city. And there's only so much time that people in Los Angeles are going to devote to NFL football. So they're going to pick one team or the other. You got to, you know, most cities, you got one team to choose from. LA, you got two. And the Rams were the default. Well, if the Chargers all of a sudden become the team, then you're going to have people who decide, ah, Rams, we'll, we'll worry about you when, you know, maybe when you get rid of those ugly uniforms and, and uh, are better on the field. We like the Chargers. We like the uniforms. We like the coach. We like everything about them. So I'm buying the Chargers. Rams, let's stay there. Raheem Morris in for Brandon Staley. We mentioned Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey earlier in the program. NFL best in points allowed with 18 and a half and also the top defense for yards allowed, 282 a game. But they were torched by Green Bay in the divisional round. Are we buying or selling the Raheem Morris defense in Los Angeles, Shereen? Well, I think anytime, Mike, that you have the number one player in football, and I think Aaron Donald is that, and the fact that he doesn't play the quarterback position obviously lowers him down behind Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and some others. But he, when we talk about nine quarterbacks, he's the guy, right? And Jalen Ramsey's the best cornerback in football, or if not the best, one of the best. We can argue whether he's the best or not, but he's certainly right up there in the top two or three in football. So when you have those two guys, it's a good place to start. They were number one overall this year. I just think that that they'll get it done again with Raheem Morris. The problem for him is they have a ton of free agents, Leonard Floyd, Troy Hill, John Johnson, you know, and they we know they don't have much money to re-sign those guys. And you look at all the defensive touchdowns they had. That carried them in the game against Seattle in the postseason. That defense did scoring those uh, touchdowns and the way they did it. They did that all year long. You just you think back to all the games where they scored defensive touchdowns where their offense just didn't do very much, and it, and it made a difference. And I don't know if they're going to be able to, to make all those plays defensively that they made uh, with scoring and setting up short fields, but they're, I think they know how to get it done on defense with Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey. We have those two guys, Mike. It's a great place to start. Other guys are going to want to play on that defense to play with those two guys. $22 million in dead cap money attributed to Jared Goff, which makes it hard to have a great team on the field. And when you give away your first-round draft picks, you give away the opportunity to have a guy locked in for four or five years at a reasonable salary. Another, another flaw with this idea of having no first-round picks from 2017 through at least 2023. My goodness, Rams. Oh, well. Uh, one more. And I'm going to pick one of these three. We got Dolphins, Bucks, Patriots. Let's go Patriots because I'm buying the Dolphins. Yeah. I'm buying the Bucks. Are you buying the Patriots right. for 2021? Uh, well, you know, we talked about the Defense. opt-outs. Or are they going to come back? Yeah. Is, is Dante Hightower going to come back? Is Patrick Chung going to come back? Is Stefan Gilmore going to be injury-free this next year? I guess I'm buying them simply because you got Bill Belichick calling the shots, Mike. But I do have questions about those guys, if they're going to come back. If they come back, yeah, I, I think they're as good or better than what they were uh, this past season. They were 15th in total defense and in yards allowed. I think they can be better than that defensively um, with Bill Belichick and, and with some additional parts. He does amazing things with that defense. We know that. That keeps them in games. It kept them in games this year. 
I, I'm like you. I can't – who did we say earlier that with the Bears, they need some offense and you worry about who the quarterback's going to be? I think it's the same with the Patriots. Who's the quarterback going to be, and are they going to be able to chew up some time of possession to keep that defense off the field? To me, that's the key with the Patriots. And you mentioned Gilmore. There were serious trade talks about him before the deadline. I have a feeling he won't even be on the team. So let's take a quick break. More PFT Live coming at you right after this. Twelve days ago, the car crash in the Kansas City area involving Chiefs outside linebackers coach Britt Reed resulted in serious injuries to Ariel Young. She was in a coma until yesterday. Her aunt noted on a GoFundMe page that has raised nearly $500,000 that she is awake. So that is great news. It has been a very, very bad story. That is the best part of it so far. We wish that beautiful little girl all the best as she continues to recover. It's got to be devastating, beyond devastating for the family, but it's great that she's out of the coma and she's awake, Shireen. And it's great that so many people have supported the effort to raise money for what surely will be an expensive road to recovery. Yeah, Mike, and when we got that on the text string last night, I said that's the best news of the day, and it absolutely was, and and it's uplifting, and hopefully she's okay and recovers and and uh you also see the good in people mike and i think that's important sometimes we forget that people are good and and have big hearts and we're seeing that in this case and i think that's wonderful plenty of things about the internet that we could criticize and chastise the ability to have a worldwide movement to help someone in need with five bucks here ten bucks there it's incredible and and it's uh it's something that, that we love shining the light on at profootballtalk.com when we see a worthy cause, and this one's very worthy. So uh, if you want to help get over $500,000, go to the GoFundMe.com website and type in Ariel Young, and it'll take you where you need to go. We need to go to break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.